Welcome to Vino Week, episode 64. Welcome to Vino Week. I'm Bill. Hello, everybody. It's Al. Bill, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for the... uh, What you been drinking, man? Put you on the spot right away. What you been drinking? You been having any good good beers lately? I have, actually. Um, I have. So, one of the things that happens this time of year and I'm not sure how long how long they uh, brew it but it's usually a limited release is Russian River um, always does a, an experimental sort of hop uh, beer it's called Hop To It Hop okay. To It and it's a single hop ale and they experiment with different ales or sorry different hops every year to try to understand the hop characteristics Mm-hmm. Um, this year is a, um, uh, a hop called Elixir, and it has sort of tropical, uh, spicy, citrusy, and floral notes, even a little bit of sandalwood, and um, really interesting, um, always an interesting beer. You know, I haven't had one over the years that was, you know, didn't want to drink. But mm-hmm. always interesting from the standpoint of trying to understand a particular uh, a particular hop. Um, but yeah, you know, hop rubs got it is this particular uh, elixir hop rub, you know, spicy tropical floral. Um, a good beer for the holidays, especially if you are going somewhere and you don't have. It's from Russian River Brewing, by the way. If you don't have. Um, or don't know who you're going to talk to, or don't know the beer drinkers you're going to have. Um, Russian River makes a beer called Velvet Glow. It's a Hell's Lager, and it uh, it's a pretty. Nice what's that? You like the packaging? Yeah. Nice packaging. Yeah, and um, Velvet Glow. Let me let me skip my notes here. Um, is a really really light. Uh, straw colored it's got crisp bread sort of yeast taste to it um, easy drinking beer pretty much anybody who likes beer is going to like this beer um, can't recommend it enough and can't keep it at my house my wife loves that beer um, I recently had and had not had for a while at Seismic Brewing uh, one, of their, one of their IPAs called Mega Thrust um, also used to be known as Mazaka, but it's got a, um, it's an awesome IPA. And if you're a hop head, an IPA hop head, it is a, it is a beer for you. It's got tons of, um, essential oils from the hops and give off great, you know, fruit, citrus, and pine. Um, but it's also got a really nice sort of, um, malt foundation. So it's, it's just delicious. It's a really, 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 um, uh, great beer and I like their beers the other beer that um, that they have at Seismic is a beer called Tremor and you won't find it um, you won't find it um, sort of labeled by Seismic the labeling's kind of gone and what they're trying to do is build that beer it's a lager build that beer as a brand by itself and it's organic, biodynamic beer. It's one of the first. But they're trying to make it a big beer. Like, you'll eventually find this thing in, in gas stations. It's being sold really inexpensively right now. Um, 
I think we got a 12 pack for 11.99 at um, Oliver's, and I think it was like 12.99 at Whole Foods. So, um, classic American log tremor is a like earthquake tremor. You said tremor. How do you spell that? Tremor, like an earthquake tremor. Oh, okay. Because uh, you, you threw me off because I was thinking of uh, Trumer. Oh no no Trumer sorry. Nope yeah. nope. Tremor beer. It's a light lager. Um, you know, very much in a lager style, uh, pale in color. Let me see if I get my tasting notes here. Hang on one sec. Trimmer, um, yeah, there I see it right now. Yeah. Um, Sounds like I'm gonna have to head down to seismic. I would. I. It's a really, really nice, true to type light lager. It's got really great effervescence. Not really, you know. Not overly complex, but still has some complexity. And again, you know, West Coast hops, 100% organic. And mm -hmm. um, it's just, a, and it's light alcohol. It's 4.8. So it's just a nice beer to have. And it's, you know, sustainable and organic. And so if you're going to drink beer, you, you know, for those beer drinkers who like I'll say beers that are more mass-produced. This beer is a little bit more complex, obviously not made with mass-produced ingredients, um, and it's delicious. And since we've had some hot days here, it's been a uh, fantastic beer to have, um, you know, when it's hot. It's only 15 IBUs, so, you know, not overly bitter. And then um, it uses Pilsner malt, so it's still got mm -hmm. some of those Pilsner characteristics to it. You know that yeast and bread, yeast bread, um, uh, yeah. kind of flavoring and smell, and then kind if of you, like yeah, salivating a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it is that, and and then if you if you go to the brewery, they serve it in the in the German like German glass stein. The true glass, yeah. So it's big. You know, you get a big. It's a big beer. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's really, I you know, today's a little chilly. I don't know if it's a great day to do that, but. Um, and then the last one, sorry, I said I'd have a write-up. Um, two Pilsners. So this is a Pilsner from Laughing Monk Brewery in San Francisco. It's called Holy Ghost. I found this at multiple Whole Foods, and they will have it on sale. It comes in these pint, um, you know, sort of imperial pint, English mm -hmm. pint, which I think is 16 ounces maybe. Um, um, but, um, yeah, 16 ounces. It's 5.2. Let me get to my notes. It's um so it's it's definitely a um <clears throat> and it's 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 five three in alcohol um but very much true to type pilsner so same sort of bread yeast um nice lovely color um amber amber straw gold color and true to type in terms of the you know sort of pilsner, you get a little bit of the build up bitterness as you on the finish, but um, just an easy drinking, lovely beer. Um, and then last but not least, one of my favorite uh, beers. Um, and if you fly into and out of Santa Rosa Airport, they typically have this beer on tap. It's named after the airport's three letter code. It's called STS Pilsner, um, and it's a it's a really uh, you know, classic European style Pilsner, strong color. Um, it had it well. It's unfiltered, so it has a little bit of haze to it, but it's it's hop forward. 
mild malt foundation so it's not overly malty and um really has a strong it's got a it's got a nice yeast character to it which i like with all of these pilsners i like that character and it again has a you know a dry both laughing monk and sts have that dry dry finish and a little bit of bitterness to it so it's it's uh it's great and they're both fairly low alcohol i think holy ghost um is five six and sts is five three um if you're a plane spotter, nothing better. You can go to the airport. You can park in front of the airport at Santa Rosa for free for an hour. You can walk into their tavern, sit outside where the loading ramp is for the airliners, and have some French fries and an STS and watch planes land and take off. Kind yeah, of an interesting. It shows you how quaint it is around here. That you can it's, actually go and park, park at the airport I, for free. I feel like I'm hour. like seven years old with my parents <laughs> Getting ready to fly somewhere—it's so crazy. It's a—it's kind of a kick in the pants to do. But uh, and also, if you don't want to do that, you can just drive a little bit north and hit the Russian River in Windsor, and do the same thing on their patio with food and all of their beers. So that's a little bit of roundup. Last thing I'll say: we went actually went to a brewery in um, Santa Rosa yesterday called Shady Oak uh, Barrel House. So it's on First Street across from the old Sears um, next to where warming trends used to be or still is. Oh, I thought um, they closed. They're open now. Um, they had a killer taco truck there yesterday because you have to buy beer. So now it's, you know, it, beer. Many of the breweries are turning into restaurants because they all have to have food. So you can go get food and have craft beer at the brewery. So Why do they have to have food, though? It's all because of COVID. Okay, I just wanted yeah, to it's all yeah. For those that don't know, it's all because of COVID. It's the rules here in California. You have to have a meal. Um, but they had live music, a taco truck yesterday, and they make um, really interesting beers. They do a lot of sour beers, which I'm not a huge um, I'm not a huge fan of. Although I don't, and I don't remember the name. At one time, I had a beer that was aged in Chardonnay barrels, and it 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 kind of tasted like a, a sparkling. Um, Chardonnay. It was, it was, and not champagne. It was just crazy. But I had two IPAs yesterday, one called Tear Down the Mall, that tasted like a caramel, it tasted like a caramel tropical, uh, uh, like a piece of chocolate with caramel and some like tropical flavors in it. It was crazy. And it paired perfectly with the spicy taco that I was eating. Al Pastor mm-hmm. taco, proper Al Pastor with the rotisserie and the pineapple on top, you know, shaving it off your oh, tacos. Man. Crazy. Um, I'll do a little bit more investigation about what's actually in that beer. I like that brewery for a couple of reasons. One, their experimentation with the barrels. So they'll get barrels from winemakers, make beer, and then age them in barrels or, you know, kind of finish them in barrels. So they get a lot of interesting flavors from that and from their sours. And then Similar to a lot of the breweries around here, they're experimenting with different types of hops. And so I didn't write down or take a picture of uh, that particular IPA, but it was called Tear Down the Mall. Um, uh, Shady Oak. <laughs> That's yeah. creative. Yeah. And Sh- well, Shady Oak is known, uh, came to fame uh, right after the Tubbs fire because they brewed a beer called FPG&E. Actually, I'll say it here was Fuck PG&E was actually the beer. And they, if you said it, 
I think they gave you they gave you a discount on your beer if you went in there and actually said fuck PG and E when you ordered the beer or they cheered. I can't remember or something. But I can't tell you how nice it was to go hang out on their back patio yesterday, um, have some tacos, a beer, and listen to live music. Haven't heard live music in a while. Pretty awesome. Well, just that whole idea of going out, you know, as you know, you know, I've been hiding under my bed. Still hiding under my bed, but uh, I, I did get out um, last week. We had some friends that just, they were insistent that we, you know, they just kept insisting, we, we got to go out, we got to go out. And I was like, okay, all right. So we finally agreed to actually go out and have a meal outside at a restaurant. Where'd you go? It was, well, first of all, Bill, it was a big deal for us to do that. Yeah. It was a big no, deal. No, I, I, I get it. So we, we did go out, we went to, um, God, I guess I should, I should know where we went. I'm trying to, uh, we went to, um, uh, the Riviera. Okay. And, um, it was good. It was good. We got there. Um, I'm trying to think, I think we went, uh, we went on a Thursday night and it was, it was full. Yeah. They got all, all their tables are outside. You're not, you know, you can't go inside the restaurant inside set up, uh, Oddly enough, when you look inside, it's all set up for like your to-go operation. I know it is. Every restaurant is like all of the stuff that used to be crammed in the back, like a back closet somewhere, or in the kitchen where the, you know, you have your wire racks with all your, you know, takeaway stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all like the restaurants have been turned into a prep area for to-go. It's it it's just like it's luxury. The other thing I I will say. The food quality's gone up. Like the prep quality and food quality's gone up in pretty much every place I've I've been to, out. And I think they just have less pressure on the kitchen. Their menus have changed. So the menus, the one of the four things I think has happened is a forcing function of simplifying menus. Um, where it's like you know there used to be ten things on the menu. Now there's five. Um, mm-hmm. And pricing, like tacos yesterday, you couldn't buy an individual taco. It came on a plate. You had to buy, you know, you had to buy a set, like a combo of like a quesadilla and a taco or, you know, a burrito and something else or nachos. And they were around eight bucks. So a nice portion. So anyway, sorry, I was, you were telling us about Riviera. Well, I mean, I've, it's it's just a little restaurant. I mean, they I've never had a bad meal there. I've probably been there, you know, dozens of times. Although I have to be careful about saying that because Terry goes, you know, usually it's it's a place that we go for business meetings. <laughs> so uh, I've been there a lot. And, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so we had a, we had a good uh, we had a, we had a really good meal, but the experience itself was really interesting. Um, the whole uh, there's a there's a routine or there's an ex- expectation of when you're supposed to wear your mask and when you don't wear your mask. So you're wearing your mask when you're in, when you get to the table, you know, when the waiter comes up, you know, I think I'm just reading between the lines, but I think it's probably good etiquette to put your mask on while they're at the table. And then when they leave, you take it off. You know, I mean, it's it just that dance, that mask dance was very, very interesting to me. And I couldn't help but focus on that the whole time that I was eating. And I was looking around to see what other people were doing, how they were doing their mask dance, you know, because, I mean, this is where we are, right? Uh, totally. I just, you know, it's so it's so funny because just, you know, it really depends on where you're at. 
uh, you know, you'll go in, you know, you go in and the, I can't remember, we went and got a burger a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> and I, it was like the first time I was really, I, I'm like, wow, nobody in the kitchen's wearing a mask. Yeah. Is that bad? What's going on here? Does anybody know? If they sneeze on my burger bun, am I going to die from COVID? Like, what? What? It's just, yeah. And it's the further, it, you know, I mean, we live in, you know, we live in the super uber progressive, you know, uh, area. But, you know, you go two hours east and oh. it's totally yeah. changed. Yeah. I mean, There's you, no COVID you just have to over go there. go into Napa Valley and it's changed. And then if you go. On the other side of Napa Valley, you go into Fairfield or Vacaville. Solano those County, areas, yeah. Really, I mean, people aren't even. Yeah, there's no COVID there. <laughs> right. There's no COVID there. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And yesterday, I couldn't. There were so many people out yesterday. Um, it was packed, and I was like, "What's going on?" And kind of, uh, you're, uh, you use the word progressive, and you know, progressive area describing us politically. I think everybody was out celebrating that, you know, orange man bad is out of the, out of the oval office. <laughs> maybe, maybe. There I think there a lot of that, I would imagine. You know? Yeah. 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 I think that there, you know, I, I am, I'm always hesitant to say, cause it's not, you know, it's not January yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got a ways to go. Yeah. Hey, There's well, lawsuits. I mean, I the politics, but I will say this: the election has not been certified yet. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just. Does that make? I know that makes a lot of people anxious, but you know, it's the truth. It's the truth, it's folks. It's a process here. Yeah, it's the truth. It's and that the whole truth. thing of the counting the votes. There's nothing new with that. No, nobody gets all the votes counted the night of the election. It doesn't work that way. There's too many votes coming in. They don't have the people to do that. So it's just, you know, the microscope on the process. People are like, what's going on? What's going on is what normally goes on. <laughs> That's just, for sure. That's how it's done. That's for sure. The other thing I'll say is we all do best in the United States economically when our government is 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 divided. When mm. no one no one particular party controls either the executive branch or the legislative branch. You hit it. You hit the nail on the head, man. That's it. In a, you know, because it, it, uh, it fosters moving towards the center and everyone getting a little piece of the action. You don't get everything that you want. You get a little piece. Little everyone bit. walks away from the table, so a little bit. bit dissatisfied and a little bit satisfied. That's right. That's, that's all. That's right. Go. Even better if they actually try to work together to do something for us, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. Well, you know. we'll see. Okay, oh, we'll so see you. You, you, well, and your, you and your fairy tales. Yes, I know. I can only, I can only achieve, try to achieve the goal. Um, and I've again, been drinking a lot of beers. I've, I've been drinking a lot of beer because it's football season. Right on. But, but I'm, I've been totally converted into California man, and I've just been drinking IPAs. Now. Yeah. What do you have an IPA that you lo- that you? Or your go-to IPA? Well, well my go-to IPA is Racer Files. Right on. Yeah, that's that's my go-to. Yeah. And so I, mean, that, that's, I, I mean, that's like the Budweiser of IPAs, right? Yeah. Uh, I bet Lagunitas is the <laughs> Lagunitas IPA. I would argue is the IP the 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 
Budweiser of IPAs. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Their billion-dollar deal with Heineken to expand international exemption. And I would also say Tony McGee, who is the founder of Lagunitas, succeeded in his mission, which was to flip America's beer taste from um, from from lager to ale. He did. He did. And he, he did. Absolutely did. Yep. Um, that was flavorless, watery, crappy loggers. And just but you know, hey, I've I've had my fair share of uh, some um, pretty, especially back east loggers. You know, on the east coast, man, that's that's where that's where it's going down. You know this, man. Augsburger, all of those, just those brands. Uh, Augie, Augie you know, from my hometown in Wisconsin. Yes, you could drink. You know, you could down a six pack of those. It's all good, man. It was uh, it was really ah uh, well you know it followed it followed centuries of beer making tradition. Augsburger is made in Rhein-Heisgebot um, standard, which is the German beer period law, um, and it it there's it's very specific. It's been there for a long time. It's the reason the beer tastes good. A lot of it's about being clean. Um, yeah, yeah, brewing well, clean. Anything with fermenting and cooking yeah. food. Yeah, it's all about cleanliness. Yeah, keep yeah. it clean. But hey, do yourself a favor and and head down to Seismic and try. A couple of the try the shatter cone and uh, mega thrust. They're both. Yeah, I'll, go, I'll definitely go down there. I'm not like you said. It is a bit chilly. We've uh, the weather's taken a a, a a wonderfully dramatic turn. So uh, we actually uh, we actually like turned on the heat last night. Man, kind of kind of cool. I have the heat going. I have the so, heat going. So I have that a, part's good. Yeah, it, it's it, it's nice. They have heaters down there. You can sit outside. They have gas heater. Wherever you like over the tables. Not- yeah, yeah. Well, I'm probably gonna just like get my stuff to go. If I go, I'll probably just you know. I'll they were doing they were doing awesome deals. And oh, by the way, folks, if you're looking for Racer Five, it's from a brewery um, also here in Sonoma County called Bear Republic. Um, Bear Republic Brewing, and they have a tasting room and a brew house in Roner Park, which is which if you are brave enough to come up to the casino. As you're heading north on 101, you go left to the casino in Runner Park, and if you go to the right, cross the railroad tracks, you'll see Bear Republic off to your left. There. Hey, you know they closed up their spot in Hillsburg. I do, I do. Yeah, so that's uh, that's another reason to support them. Because, I mean, you know, these, these craft brew places, uh, there's definitely going to be a little fallout. And that's you know that's one of the uh, that's one of the legends in the business, and uh, you know they they just said ah, we'll just go back to brewing beer. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, hospitality end of it, we're gonna have to like we'll cut back on that. Well, hey, uh, let me. Uh, I don't. Uh, I haven't really been drinking any. Uh, we've been drinking a lot of bubbly. Have you? Uh, but we not do a little celebrating over there. A lot of oh yeah. There's yeah. one. Oh, you read that Tesoro yeah. della Tesoro. Regina, yeah. Um, and uh, and the reason we've been drinking a lot of prosecco is, um, well, you know, I don't know. There is no reason. We just have been. And uh, we ran into uh, we were in Costco the other day, and um, my wife saw some prosecco, and it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, the Costco brand, and uh, I don't have it in front of me actually. <laughs> But we've been drinking it regularly. Is it good? It's like seven bucks a bottle. Yeah. Is it good? So, 
we're we're well into we're we're close to crushing a case of it already. So yeah. it, it is, it, and it's pretty it's, good. Yeah. Um, but we've been drinking prosecco. But my my wine that um, that really kind of sticks in my head is this one right here um, for last week. I had this is um, it's Sangiovese. It's made by Talenti, and it's called uh, Rosso di Montalcino. And um, this is a second label for Talenti. Um, they're they're Brunello, Brunello makers, and Brunello is a special. Um, it's, a, it's a, a biotype of Sangiovese that's actually grown in their the areas the hills of uh, Montalcino. And Brunello typically is always 100% Sangiovese, but uh, <clears throat> Brunello's aged for quite some time. Uh, in the barrel, and then it's also uh, the rules call for it to be aged for quite a bit of time in the bottle. So this bottle helps the vintner make it to the next year because it can get cash. And usually this wine is made from um, the younger vines that are on the estate. Uh, it's uh, it's a 2018, and it's under 20 bucks, so it's a nice good it's a good buy. This light ruby color, uh, sour cherries and uh, violets, pretty typical for Sangiovese. It's got a really nice tingling acidity. Uh, it's medium bodied and it's got some great spice. And uh, it goes it goes really good with, uh, uh, it goes great with pizza, Bill. All right. I, I, can, I, I can confirm that. Uh, that's, that's good to know. I've been working on my tavern pizza crust, tavern style, oh. tavern style pizza, pizza crust. Um, which is my favorite kind, so I'll, I'll have to go. Where did you get picked that up at? Uh, I picked that up at uh, KNL, and unfortunately, they're out of it. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, it's a small producer. They don't make a lot of wine. I gotcha. And, um, you know, the stuff they send over, you know, it's, it's allocated. It gets the fence around, but uh, you should try their Brunello, too, if you get a chance. The Brunello is a little... Uh, it's in the fifties, Brunello's. I mean, it's a Brunello, so it's about fifty yeah. bucks. Yeah. But um, I believe, I think KNL will probably get some more of this in. I think they do five case lots, and then they sell out real quick because people find out about it. Uh, good wines always go fast. That's yeah. right. You know, it's moving like that. Nineteen crimes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm just joking. I, I could. Hey, man, you can't find that nineteen crimes. I, I just find it uh, with. I, when you started talking about a uh, smaller producer and getting more, I immediately thought of allocation, and then it just jumped to the fact that 19 Crimes is on allocation, which is mind-blowing. Yes. Um, well, I, I, I shouldn't say that. It's actually not mind-blowing. It's That's just that's just good business right there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's just well, good like business. Like I said, man, I'm looking for the... Uh... I'm looking for some uh, ludicrous uh, 19 Crimes ludicrous wine or... Okay, I now I will keep my. I didn't know Ludacris had one out. I do know he Post Malone it. has he one. Has yeah, <laughs> I know Post Malone has one. But hey, you know Ludacris, if you're out there, you need some wine. We can probably hook you up. Um, that would hey, be let's funny. Get on, let's get on to some topics, man. Um, well, like it's good. Bill. It's a great segue uh, since you were just talking about. Um, you know, you've been drinking a lot of prosecco. Seven dollar bottle prosecco at uh, Costco, and um, yeah, you know he posted an article about wine prices and the wine glut. 
and it's you know it's a nice segue to start talking about the fact that there is a wine glut and you know classic market theory is more supply less demand prices should go down and that's kind of what we're seeing um i think uh the article that you posted about the wine business index four more signs of gluts upon us you know kind of walking through a number of uh, examples of this and one of the things I that was interesting in uh, uh, in here is there's a, an $8 exquisite California Chardonnay um, and I can't remember who oh could be a shiner and you do you know what that do you know that have you heard that word before Al shiner oh yeah <laughs> okay um and uh, well, let's I, tell our audience what a shiner is. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I've heard it called a shiner before. But um, wine was bottled by another producer but sold at Aldi's and sold it as a discount. And the winemaker that they interviewed or talked to in this article said that they thought that $7, $8 bottle of shards should sell for 30 Sold real cheap. I will tell you from a handful of winemakers that I know... They are, they are thinking about how to take their expensive uh, wine that they used to put in a bottle and sell for you know twenty thirty bucks, and how they can, you know, now recast it and sell it in in any vessel you might come get it, <laughs> get it poured in. Can you give me a growler of Pinot, please, uh, yeah. and or relabeling it and selling it for cheap? So I think there's going to be a lot of this going on. I may be doing a good job of uh, explaining a shiner, so I'll be quiet now and let you talk. <laughs> well, I, I think we, I think I, I might have talked about shiners on a, a prior uh, podcast, but basically what a shiner is, is, um, you know, a lot of times um, you'll go to a winery, but, well, you wouldn't go to a winery, but I mean, if, if you were in the production area, they would, they, they'd have a tank and the tank might be 5,000 gallons and they might label seven or eight different brands off of that tank. Thank you. Okay? So when those when those wines are labeled, they're stuck in storage somewhere. And then um, as the um, as the wholesaler asks for them, they're shipped out in lots to the wholesalers. Well, a part of that process is that some things sell better than others. Um, and even though it's the same wine, but most of this wine typically, it's got a shelf life. You know, it's a food product and it doesn't last forever. So at some point, um, the producer has to figure out what to do with that wine that's just sitting in the warehouse. So typically what they'll do, if it's just not selling and they know that it's not going to sell fast enough before it hits its end, end of its lifespan, they uh, take it, they uh, pull it off of the racks, um, they bring in a crew, and they break open the boxes, and, and they strip all the labels off. And then they put another label on a different type of label that you know and then they promote that label and that's what a shiner is a shiner is a bottle where the label's basically been um, stripped off from some other wine and it's different relabeled relabeled yeah. yep yeah. yeah so um, that's that's very that's much more common than people think um, but I mean it's not something that you would see as a consumer but you do benefit from it because like if, I mean if a person is putting Chardonnay in some expensive glass and it's got a deep punt and it's eight bucks, 
chances are they were looking to sell that bottle for 30 to 40 bucks. Yeah. And the, the stuff that's inside the bottle hasn't changed. They're just selling it what, you know, close to what it costs to make it. Yeah, they're just trying to get, trying to recoup costs or, you know, if they can make a little profit. Um, this article also talks about the Sonoma Chardonnay, which is seven or eight bucks a uh, case. And saying that it's, you know, unheard of and works out to about $3 a bottle for the wine. So, and what they mean by that is by the time you... you factor in cost of production and the material you know that's kind of what it's going to cost um and they're you know i when i i'm interested and so after reading this article i'm interested in going to try that costco uh, chardonnay those are nice things you know if it's a reasonable drinking chardonnay it's actually you know sourced from sonoma um probably going to be good enough to have around when somebody drops in and you need a glass of shard which happens oh, yeah. which happens periodically um the other thing i found out this is a great tip i did not know you do not have to be a costco member in california to go buy wine beer and spirits you can walk into costco and say i'm going to buy alcohol and by law they have to let you in the store Wow, I didn't know that. I did not know that. I found that out yesterday. It is true. It is a law. They have to they have to retail you um, the alcohol. Unfortunately for me, I'm still gonna have to be a member because I'm I'm too lazy to buy, you know, paper products at just one, you know, one little four pack or six pack at a time. I got to have that big old jumbo thing in the garage, man. Heck yeah. I, I mean that's why I got, I got a up, that's why I got a garage. So <laughs> You know, and I still got I still got out of membership. Yeah. And you know the one thing that they have at that Costco, I don't know if they have this at other Costcos in another area, but have you had that cheddar, that English cheddar? <laughs> yes. Yes. I know. Oh I, I chuckled because we, yeah, we like burned through that. That stuff is incredible. And it's like it's yeah. It's $7 a pound or something. Yeah, it's some it's ridiculous like, price. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even understand how it makes it over here at that price. I don't understand. As the founder the of off chain, as a founder of a cheese company, I once knew said, "What we don't make up for in profit, we make up for in volume." <laughs> that should that should tell you all about it. You know, you know, I made a quarter a quarter cent of profit on a ton of butter. Yeah. Jeez. That kind of stuff. So it's that, just you know, it's just an automatic. Where is that cheese? I automatically go there. I mean, that's like if I go to Costco, that is something that I'm going to get. It's it, that and the uh, and the the pesto that they get from uh, the that pesto. It's like I'm getting that. I mean, yeah. it's not good for me to have this big old thing of pesto. That pesto ridiculous good. But you can freeze it. You freeze it. <laughs> yes. You but I never get around to it. I just end up eating it all. <laughs> See, that's the downside of the volume. That's the downside of the volume. It's like, ah, oh, you know, that pesto is really good. I had some on Monday. And I had some on Tuesday. And I had exactly. some on. Oh, and then I, I made a chicken sandwich and I made a chicken pesto sandwich. And yeah, yeah it goes on. Yeah. That's what happens. Because, I mean, there's just the two of us. So, you know, that pesto, man, it's stretching out. Yeah, I'm, and I'm thinking I'm going to go to Costco today now after seeing all this and talking about cheese and pesto. 
There you um, go. Well, I know I know a couple items will be picking up. <laughs> that's all, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it it uh, you know talking about sort of you know the wine glut will have an impact on the market. I think we've been talking about this for you know we've been talking about this kind of since the the you know March March sort of COVID time frame. You know, yeah. and even beyond, even before that, in terms of what we were seeing, uh, you know, maybe some of the glut this year might be um, curbed, if you will, because of the fires here in Sonoma County. Um, you know, there are a fair number of producers throughout California who aren't even going to make wine this year, decide to let their fruit hang or take it off and, I don't know, make a hand sanitizer out of it. I don't know what what they're going to do with it um with their smoke tainted grapes it's interesting we haven't heard a lot about the whole smoke taint lately that i'm aware of the last couple of weeks well that's because there's there's nothing to hear yet i mean the grapes are being fermented and at some point i mean they're going to be they're going to be finished and they're going to be put in bottle and they're going to have to decide whether or not they're going to actually well, even before that, before the bottle, they're going to have to decide whether they're actually going to market that wine under their, their label name. Like you said, I mean, some places they're not even going to give it a try. I drove through Sonoma Valley, and I saw uh, at Landmark Vineyards, they had a crew out there. Um, they weren't harvesting the grapes, but they were cutting the grapes off and just letting them lie on the ground. Just, yeah. And they're just, you know, like returning them to the earth, that type of yep. thing, for fertilizer. Dropping them. So, um, I mean, that's... There's a lot of grapes that were not picked. Right. Just a lot of grapes that were not picked. It's certainly going to help with the imbalance, but the, the thing that would majorly help with the imbalance is if they could figure out the virus and get, you know, stop the hemorrhaging in all these restaurants that are dying. I mean, yeah, they're, they're closing up left and right. Yeah. And they just can't. They can't sustain. They can't sustain. I don't think these restaurants can take another hit without getting no. some type of help. You know, they, they they're gonna need some support. They're, I mean, you can't you can't keep operating. You can't you can't keep paying rent when your restaurant's closed and you're not generating revenue. Right. So if the government's gonna mandate these restaurants close down, which I think we may be headed that way, you know, I don't want to be Mr. Negative, but I mean, it's cold and flu season is honest, man. It's fall. It's cold here. I can imagine what it's like in South Dakota right now. I mean, it's it's in the 30s here already. It's probably so. It I was mean, 28 last night. Be able yeah. To sit outside. Yeah. It, no outside seating. Yeah. It's not like here in California. You know, we can all just sit outside. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, you can't do that up in the Midwest, in the North. So well, you can. The government's going to mandate that these places close down. They're going to have to help them stay around yeah i don't i don't it we'll see we'll see i don't i don't know that 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 relief is coming um there uh there are restaurants that appear to be making it but they you know there is an active you can you as al kind of said we can you know in california i mean it was 28 here last night that's really rare sort of a cold snap um, yep. phenomenon. It'll be 60-ish here today. There'll be people outside. Restaurants all have heaters out. 
you know, we're not, you know, it's not blowing snow or anything or rain. So California is in a different, at least here, in a different situation than a lot of the United States. And I don't know, you know, I don't know what, as you say, what these restaurants are going to do um, that had a, you know, thriving, you know, were thriving because you could dine in and, you know, uh, go out to eat. That's all gone except for this alfresco dining or takeaway. And I think there's just going to, you know, less demand maybe. And I, the impact to the economy, I, you know, we're really going to start feeling, there's a lot of people unemployed yes. that used to, you know, work in restaurants and, and the employment situations, uh, kind of odd as well. We were, uh, at a local sort of farm feed store the other day to pick up some hay we needed a bale of hay for the yard you know putting stuff in the yard and they handed us a card soliciting workers if you knew anybody that needed a, a job um come apply and so mm -hmm. i there are places that are you know i think there are people that used to work you know in a restaurant uh you know had that as one job and then worked in the feed store, you know, had a variety of jobs to kind of, you know, work all the time to, to live. A lot of that stuff's dried up. And then, you know, there are places that need um, workers and workers can't, you know, I got to be home with the kids during the day. I can't work at the, at their, at, you know, your retail hours. So, you know, it's this weird dynamic that's going on where, yeah. You know, businesses need people, but people need to be somewhere else. And then, you know, places like restaurants that rely on people coming to their store and eating in can't do that anymore. So I don't know. It's really odd. It's a really, really odd time. And that article that you posted from the Atlantic, which is like, you know, the restaurant industry's over. It's dead. What are they? What are they? And, and as you we, as you brought up when we were talking just before we started, it, it, it COVID's an extinction event. For restaurants, yeah, um, this is going to go away. I don't know. Yeah, at least at least the way that we know it now, and uh, you know, <laughs> and when you think of restaurants, I I take it one step further, and I I wonder about the familiar watering holes. I mean, it just takes me back to like you know, like the pubs in England, the pubs in Ireland. I mean, that whole thing of I mean, you know, after work you go out, you have a pint, and you stand shoulder to shoulder with your you know your 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 people. Yeah, and that's and that's a I mean, that's that, that yeah. whole community aspect. It's gone. Is, is disappearing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that it's you know and, I don't uh, think it's good for us as a people in general to be isolated like that. Like we, you know, you you derive so much benefit from, and I'm certainly seeing it with my kids in school. That whole you know lack of socialization, um, mm -hmm. it's just really it it's like hurting them. Um, not to mention the activity, you know. When you're a kid, you don't need to be behind a screen all day long. Yeah. No matter how compelling it is, it's just there's just better. I'm maybe I'm just too old school, but like man, go outside. Well, we pull the plug in our house. You did? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on for when school's on, and then you do not need to be in front of a screen. Period. <laughs> go outside. Go outside. And, you know, we live in a place, Al, where, you know, my kids can, they're, they can ride their bikes around and walk downtown and, you know, they're old yeah, enough they're now to, yeah, 
they're old enough now to know that you know and it's you know it's not a bad thing to you know every town has the old crazy person who's doing whatever you know you just you know walk in the opposite direction or you know you can deal with all the people that are around it's not a big deal nobody's coming to get you take you away yeah there's um, no there's no boogie man yeah that. yeah but there's no you know it's not it, it, it's not like you can walk over to your friend's house and hang out you know because of covid yeah you can't do that you're just kind of isolated in the world and it's just weird so anyway and uh, restaurants are gonna i don't know what restaurants are gonna do i you know we're gonna go to you know there's this whole like ghost kitchen cloud kitchen thing mm. you know i don't know if you've read some of that stuff where you know you order something yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. new york city and from one restaurant it's actually made in some kitchen somewhere else in the you know middle of manhattan and delivered to your house and that kitchen's making food for like eight different restaurants and Maybe that's what it's going to be like. I don't know. I'm not sure either. I know. I do know this. I know that the the way that the wine industry has operated in the past is it has leaned heavily on the hospitality industry to move the product. Yeah. And if you're a if small producer, channel, if yeah. that channel is compromised for to this degree for an even longer extended period, there's going to be some fallout in the industry. There's yeah. going to be some consolidation. Yeah, I was just about, yeah. yeah that's it's, the, just, it's just, it has to work that way because if, if the channel that's actually moving the product narrows and, and not as much is going to go through, then they don't need as many people at the head of the channel trying to push the products through. So the competition just gets greater. Yeah. And, um, we're starting to see that already. I mean, I've seen, I've read some reports of vendors that are just cashing in and are, are actually, they're just closing down. Like, That's, yeah, or selling. I think yeah. we had an article last week we may not have talked about. Or last time we did a cast a couple of weeks ago from a couple central Central Coast, I think three Central Coast sort of pioneer uh, yep. vintner, vintner winemakers that are just like, they're done, they're out. Um, and, you know, you know, the article talked about the their past, various past. Some are just out, not going to do anything. Some are kind of staying and, you know, helping. But I think you're you're absolutely right that, you know, if you think back pre-Prohibition or maybe right after Prohibition, you know, if you were a small producer, you typically, I, 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 I believe this is true, you typically, you know, uh, you grew your fruit and, you know, harvested your fruit and then you, you sold it to, uh, somebody that had the ability to bottle that and then distribute it. Mm -hmm. So they had the, you know, market power to get it on a store shelf, maybe get it into a restaurant, but it wasn't the ability for a small winery to, to reach consumers now is like, man, if you don't have a list built, I don't know what you're going to do. Um, and of course, when the economy gets tough, man, I'm looking at the wine club, you know, my wine club, and I love that wine, and I'm getting that shipment, but man, that, you know, that couple hundred bucks a year or a month or quarter or more is just like, it's going. That's a luxury that I don't need, you know, yeah. can't afford, quite frankly. And, you know, when I go into Costco and I'm seeing, huh, 
you know, $7 bottles of Prosecco that don't suck and, you know, $8 of Chardonnay that don't suck kind of, and, you know, $30 bottles that are now $8 because they're shiners. Huh. You know, life's good for me now as a consumer, but it really you know, is. And you, you have know, to be careful with some of that stuff that you uh, see out there. You know, God knows where. Yeah. I did pick. I mean, some of it is, you know, there's a reason why the wine is not selling. Maybe they don't have the market power. But in some cases, it's not selling because it sucks. Um, well, <laughs> but not, that's, you know, yeah. I mean, you that's know. so that's that's what happened. That's just yeah. um, we picked up a bottle at um, uh, a uh, a uh, a retail outlet not too long ago. I, mean, I think I want to say it was last week. It was a bottle of Zinfandel. It's 2015 vintage. Uh, you know, I'm not going to mention any names or anything, but um, when I had when I opened up the bottle, well, first, first of all, when I recognized, I go, man, that's a really good deal because um, it's typically something that a bottle of Zinfandel would sell in the 35 to 40 dollar range. So kind of a high end uh, Zinfandel from a, a well known grower. And um, I said, all right, I'll give that a try. It was like, I think it was 17 bucks. It's like half off. So uh, got home and uh, uncharacteristically for me, I actually opened it up that night. And uh, when I initially tasted it, I thought, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty good. You know, it's, it's, it's worth 17, 18 bucks, but it's certainly not worth 40. But as I'm often, uh, as I often do, I decided to, um, contrast and compare and I have it next to something that I'm extremely familiar with and once I had it with that wine it was like oh my gosh this wine is flawed uh, it was it, it had just like a little bit of um, you know some people might not notice it but once I had it with the other wine I noticed it right away it had a little bit of BA and it's that's uh, uh, short for uh, volatile acidity and all wine has that but once it reaches a certain threshold, it becomes extremely noticeable to people. And it's kind of like that, um, that nail polishy type of uh, oh odor, kind of, it's, it's kind of like that. It's, yeah, <laughs> so it had that. I thought you and, said uh, V8 okay. for a minute. No, no. Vegetable no, juice, I'm like, oh God, that's horrible. But I think the nail polish is even worse. <laughs> oh, pretty, uh. So anyway, uh, but my, my point is that a lot of these wines, you're going to see good deals as consumers, but you do have to be Well, buyer beware. And, um, you know, you want to maybe like try one bottle before you're like, oh, I'm going to buy a case Plunk of that. Down that type case. of thing. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, so, buyer so beware. do that. And it's easy to do. Usually if you see something, you think that's a great deal, pick up a bottle, go home, crack it open. Some people I've known, they'll go out in the parking lot, crack it open and go, oh yeah, that's what I want. And then they'll go back in. Well, that, you know, if you, if you got to travel to go to a, a wine store where you can get stuff like that, yeah, that makes, that, that's okay. That makes, makes really good sense. Yeah, it's all yeah, right. That's, that's so, like a, you might get some looks in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta do, you, you know, what did Snoop Dogg say? Wines, wines like cannabis. You like to share it. Light it up and pass it around. Pass the bottle, man. This is good. You could end up getting well, a job hawking wine right there in the parking lot. I'm joking. No, it's 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 the wine. You know, it is. It's it's just the whole thing about wine. And I think we're kind of dancing around the point is that it costs X amount of 
uh, dollars to actually make the product and put it in a bottle and get it on the door, get it on the, the retail shelf. And then with a lot of these wines, I mean, you could spend hundreds, thousands of dollars on bottles of wine, but a lot of it at that point has to do with marketing. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're going to do all right if you want to spend 20 bucks, 25 bucks. You're going to find a whole bunch of good wines in the 15 to $25 range that are like super well made and that you will enjoy and you can, you, you can have with your family. You don't have to go out and spend two hundred dollars on, on bottles of wine. You just you just don't. Yeah, and you know the old the old sort of uh, rules of thumb apply here. So if you find a producer you like, and that producer is a reputable producer, you find their wines are less expensive. Get a couple bottles, probably a safe bet. Um, you know, gonna be okay. If you find an importer that you like um, and or a wine store that you like, you can go there and there's probably deals um, and still again, probably, you know, going to be okay. And, and as with most wine retailers, if you get a bad bottle for some reason, I don't mean it's like, you know, you don't like it, but there's something wrong with the wine. It's corked. Mm -hmm. It's got smoke taint. Um, whatever the whatever the issue might be with the wine, most retailers will help you uh, work that out somehow. Um, at least to my experience. Now, if you, if you want to buy some super current, ultra modern um, wine that's expensive, you can go ahead and do that. But you might be taking a risk because it might be <laughs> a fake, like some natural wine. Oh yeah, speaking of fakes. <laughs> The master. We got we got the uh, uh, fake 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 man. Uh, Randy. Uh, I think he's getting out this weekend, Bill. He's uh, busting out. He served his time, man. He served ten years. He's ten not getting... years in. Um, where was he? He was in. Uh, in like not a very nice place, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's in this. Oh, um, he's in a federal prison in El Paso. Yeah, um, yeah, not. Uh, I thought he was in the Supermax in Colorado. Correctional Correctional Institution Reeves, just southwest of Pecos, Texas. Uh, I hear that's not a really great place. Can't uh, be a good harrowing er stories. Can I? I don't think he's serving any uh, Conti. <laughs> any uh, so, you know, La Romani Conti <laughs> in uh, in the Huscal, but who knows. Um, so Rudy's out, folks. Two point twenty-four million. He built people out of twenty-four million. Jeez. In '06, Acker, Merle, and Conduit auctioned his wines and raised twenty-four point seven million. Most of them were fake, if I'm not mistaken, if not all of them. Um, and he is not getting out of. Well, he's getting out of prison and heading right back to where he's from. Yeah, I guess he's... So you're saying that they're not going to allow him to stay in the States? Yes. Um, he will not walk... This is a quote from the article. He will not walk through the jailhouse gates into the fresh air and sunshine. He will be taken into custody by U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, which has a standing deportation order for Kerwan, who's been in the U.S. illegally for more than a dozen years. So wow. they are uh, going to ship him back to Indonesia, I believe is where he is from. 
Okay. And on the you think he's uh, you think there's anybody there that might be able to you know kind of you know help him out when he gets there because I mean his pocket's going to be empty, right? He he hasn't earned income for ten years. Oh God, I don't know. This you know the these people tend to find people that help them with their money. So, you know, he raised $24 million. How much did the feds take? And did they even know where the um, where the money is? I don't know if he has any money. I don't know. Well, here's... Uh, I, I, I kind of have a little bit of an idea. Most of his wine assets were never seized. Interesting. Okay, so they arrested him for forfeiting... For, for faking wines, but they didn't seize the wine that he was faking. I remember us talking and, about that now that you bring it back, yes. And they never, um, uh, they, they seized the wines that were on the property where he was, you know, at the house, but not, this guy had wine in lockers all over the world. Yeah. He had wines uh, uh, with Christie's, he had wines with Akron Wine, which I think is now uh, domain storage. And uh, he had wines in his home in Bel Air, but uh, he's you know he had wines stashed everywhere. Not only did they not get most of the wine because they couldn't figure out what was his, what was theirs, that type of thing. Not only that, but he also um, did not turn over on anybody. It's like he just did this all by himself. There was no other uh, conspirators. They got no information out of this guy. So they got one person and they got him in jail for 10 years and now he's out. So I'm painting the picture for you folks. So if you're the type of person that likes to go out and buy bottles of uh, Sasakaya or um, bottles of First Gross, uh, I don't know. I mean, he's I'd, I'd be careful. So um, Dr. They, they Conti's on the loose. Yeah, they suspect that he's probably going to set up an operation in China because the rules in China are, are um, you know, it's harder for the Chinese to catch the criminals that are faking the wine over there because um, wine faking in China is 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 pretty uh, pretty big deal and it's been going on a lot. But um, he's got an uncle that lives in China, <laughs> so I guess his uncle's going to help him out when he gets out. Um, and uh, his uncle has actually kind of been in a little bit of trouble also. Um, his uncle just got out of jail um, after spending, uh, I think he spent a, two years for a 17-year sentence for embezzling $420 million from a bank in Indonesia. Crikey. Which went bankrupt. So, I mean, the apple's not falling very far from the tree. Um, these guys are scam artists. So he'll definitely be up to his tricks. Uh, which just gives a little bit more weight to the, you know, wine is for enjoying, it's for sharing with your family. Um, it's, it's not, it, it's really not an investment vehicle. And, the, and these people that buy these super um, ridiculously high-priced wines and just store them in lockers and, and sell them to other people for, for more money, you know, that's something that you, you just stay out of that. Just just drink your wine and enjoy, enjoy it with your family and, and Enjoy your life. Yeah, buy stock if you want to. It's, it's not a, it's buy not stock. an investment. Buy some yeah, stocks. Just buy some S and P five hundred. Yeah, buy a an ETF fund. Ride the beta, man. Ride the beta. Rising tide lifts all boats. Right. Yeah, you're you're trying to get you're trying to get that alpha seeking alpha from wine. 
You don't have enough money nor experience. This is not going to happen. Bill Cook of Cook <laughs> of Cook fame. He got bilked. He's been bilked yeah. many times. Yeah, um, that should just be that should be warning enough. Uh, politics aside, with that kind of cash. Hey, uh, we had talked that we we had talked before the podcast that we we kind of didn't even want to say anything about this, but I think it's worthwhile just saying. Um, I'm certainly disgusted. Don't even really want to talk about the absolutely almost unfathomable in this day and age behavior of the quartermaster psalms and their harassment cases that have just come to light. Um, I, I just, it, I'm flabbergasted. I, I find it. Um, I just, it's, it's. I don't know. I don't even have words <laughs> for, you know. This stuff so I told Al earlier, I said, what is this, 74, 75? I mean, where, you know, this kind of stuff's going on in, in, in 2020. I, um, um, it's to me amazing. And, and, and one thing I will say that I liked, really liked out of all this is Alpana Singh, who is, was she the first woman? Uh, she's the first woman, only woman of of color to actually become a master psalm through this organization, and she's like, "You can have, you can have it, <laughs> you can have it back." So that's yeah, my was, that's my commentary on it. I'm just like disgusted and just it's ridiculous. What the? I don't say. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just a it's a it's a it's a touchy it's a it's a really sour, ugly subject, that's for sure. But what Bill's talking about, he's talking about the court of master sommeliers. Um, they're going through a, a big rife. Yeah, it's, it's it's unfortunate, you know, having you know you know when I was in college, you know, and probably the same for you, you know, we always worked in the you know we worked in the restaurant industry, and you know, as a man. I mean, you see these things happen, you know, back then I could think back, I could see things that I've seen, um, you know, the type of behavior I've seen, I've seen this stuff happen and you, you kind of look the other way. It was a different time then. It was a different time. Um, but, you know, you can't help but think that this is, you know, obviously this is something that's still going on and it's still rampant. I mean, you, you we've, We've had countless stories of people that have, have, have been, you know, ruined as this has been discovered, you know, their behaviors. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, know we're, I know we're improving and, you know, we just need to get better. Yeah. We just need to really get better at this. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's not going to go away in a flash, but it is, uh, we are making progress. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that, um, you know, her giving her pen back. And then so many of the other uh, master psalms that were females have also given their pens back. Um, it's, you know, that's a step in the right direction. I agree. I agree. But it's also, um, it also, um, you know, conversely, it paints them in a different light also because, you know, they've been uh, objectified, so to speak, and now they have to give up something that they've worked so hard. And it's a career thing. And I think some of these some of these women actually have just, you know, decided not to even be in that business anymore. And it's sad that you spend, you know, years probably, you know, trying to collect uh, the credentials, and then you have to just like move into another industry. Yeah, and I mean these things are, you know, they're 
they're a labor of love to a large degree and passion. And that's, you know, to have it dashed by, by something that is, that literally, you know, it, it, it has nothing to do with your effort or your work. Yeah. You know, it's just, um, yeah, uh, it just, I, I'm, on one, on one, I don't like the behavior. I think it's horrible. No one should. It should never happen. Anybody, um, you know, uh, in, in any kind of situation, this sort of power dynamic situation. And then, you know, it's bad for the business. It's bad for the industry. Bad for the individuals. All of that said, glad it came to light. Glad somebody, you know, it takes a really strong person to be able to stand up and say, "Hey, this isn't right. I'm not doing it anymore." So. Um, Ms. Friedland, who, you know, stood up to the head of the whole thing and said, Hey, you know, you're, you know, I've been abused. So not great stuff on that lovely note. Um, we should probably wrap it up. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's wrap, wrap it up. up. Uh, you know, we're not uh, wrapping it up on the most positive note, but, uh, that's okay. That's all right. Hey, we the can, reality, uh, the reality is, reality is good. Now. That's right. That's right. And so, um, uh, you're going to have some bubbly today after you go to Costco, you pick up some bubbly or what? You know, I, I probably will. I think I might go after some of that Prosecco. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll go check it out. And, uh, yeah, I did a good job, man. You see, I can sell wine too, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. That's a skill you definitely have mastered. Um, yeah, um, but, uh, for those of you out there, if you enjoy listening to Al and I, Please let a friend know. Tell a friend. Um, you can pick us up at our blog at vino101.net. You can drop us a comment on Facebook or on our blog. Um, and then Al is very active on the Twitter. So if you'd like to dialogue, please do so at um, twitter.com slash vino101.net. And um, cheers, everybody. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for listening.